Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's quest will have us covering our fall video game impressions. My name's Mateo, and today our party members are Gino, Jules, and Riley. Whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to like and subscribe. Now, let's get this adventure rolling. So, it's actually been quite a while, I think, since we've sat down and recorded an episode. Our latest three episodes were our Pokemon little mini-series, and we sat down on one day and recorded all of those. So I think the last recording session we've had was October 3rd, and it's uh, almost the end of November now, and we've had a channel rebrand. I'm sure now for the last week or so, you've all noticed our new logo, our new banner, and the miniseries was the start of the new sort of Hub World branding that we've done, and that's going to continue well into next year. Who knows, it might stick around as the permanent branding. I don't know. I don't think we've decided yet what we're going to do, but it's still a, it's a nice, fun little change nonetheless. And I actually really, really like it. It's grown on me. The GameCube era has begun as a little hint for what's to come. But we're going to skip housekeeping, I think, today. Maybe we should just ditch housekeeping altogether. I, it's like we've ne- we haven't done a housekeeping segment in like 15 episodes it's been a while we can't no we don't need to like label it as like now we're gonna do housekeeping it's just like well what have we done but housekeeping is good for like when we do have those big breaks like obviously today like the whole episode is about what we've been doing during this break but like typically we don't always do an episode like that so housekeeping is nice to just you know catch up talk about little things that we're not devoting a full episode to so it may be there, it may not be there, but I don't think we're cutting it all together. Maybe it'll be in next episode. We've got the next few podcasts planned out. But anyways, the topic for this week is our impressions on the games that we've played this fall so far. So we're going to talk about, I think, three major ones. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, God of War Ragnarok, and I think Sonic Frontiers, if we want. I think there's a lot of stuff we can talk about with that. But... Other than those three games, is there any other games that anyone wants to quickly talk about? I have one that I want to talk about. I have one that I've been constantly playing. No, it's got to be a new game, Gino. Warcraft doesn't count. Hey, Wrath of the Lich King counts. Wild Classic counts. It launched. It's been fun. Yes, let's talk about a game that came out in 2008. No, 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 no. But Wild Classic Wrath of the Lich King technically came out. We've been having fun. We made a guild, uh, the Sons of Roy. I am the only member still because everyone else quit. Once a Son of Roy, always a Son of Roy. The, this Son of Roy will always wait. And then Dragonflight, uh, uh, while Dragonflight's going to be coming out tomorrow as of the date of recording. So I've been grinding out some of the in-game event currency and I got the, the new heirloom trinket for that. So that's what I've been doing. So I know, Riley, weren't you playing something this, this fall? Yeah, I thought Mateo was going to go first, but yeah, I was also... I played... It was it didn't last long. I beat it within, a, like, a day. But I played Ghost Song, which is a new Metroidvania, and I thought that was really neat. It's a fun game. Yeah, and the other small game that I played, and Jules played as well, and honestly, this might be a hot take, because I, I think that I might be in the minority here, but I played Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, and honestly... I thought the first game was so much better. Like, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but for whatever reason, people are praising Mario plus Rabbids, saying it's better than it's a, the original. I just disagree completely. Like, I thought the music, the theming in the game, the level design, I thought it was way better in the original, and especially in the Donkey Kong DLC. You said it well, Jules. I think like, we had a private conversation about it. And, like, this game felt like... yeah. The first game felt like the Rabbids were crossing over into Mario. This game felt like Mario was crossing over into Rabbids. To me, that's infinitely less entertaining. Like, I don't care about the Rabbids at all. A lot of the really cool moments from the first game, they didn't even attempt to make anything remotely similar to that. There was no cool cameos or anything like that. To me, it was just more of the same, but worse. I am of a similar opinion on that one. I think that the game itself was still very good. I think that the gameplay actually very much improved on the first games. Mm-hmm. However, um, the overall impression of the first game was more exciting. While this game offered a, a lot of diverse options and it definitely built upon a lot of the structures of the first game, it, it did feel less special. 
That being said, removing it from a comparison of the first game, I thought it was a very, very solid tactical RPG. I thought it had a lot of positives. It was one of my favorite games that I played this fall, actually. And we'll probably talk about it more when we do our game of the year discussions that we're going to be doing in January, like uh, they should be done. But moving on to our three major games. Actually, how do you want to talk about these? Do you want to talk about them in release order or how should we do it? I think it's okay to talk about them in any order. All right. How about we talk about one that I don't think we'll spend too much time on because Gino and I haven't beaten the game yet, but God of War Ragnarok. So good. I'm probably the furthest behind. Uh, I'm hoping to have it done maybe by the Game Awards episode that we do because then I can actually vote for it for game for some Game Awards. But yeah, I'm uh, really enjoying it so far. I kind of don't want to spoil anything for anyone listening, but I'm at a certain point in the game where you go to a location that is very popular in uh, pop culture right now and uh, is some place that gets referenced a lot. So that uh, that is where I am in the game. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. I don't think it matters where we are or whether we finish the game. I think that the intention of this podcast was to just um, share our impressions with the game. So I, I don't think it matters that we haven't finished it because I think... like. Until yesterday, actually, Riley and I hadn't finished it. We played it together um, alongside Yako. Even as of yesterday, had we done this podcast, I still would have had a ton to say. So I'd, I'd just like to hear impressions. And we can talk about specifics. We can talk about just gameplay elements, whatever it needs to, ha- to happen. Yeah. But one, th- one thing I can say is as a longtime God of War fan, like um, I never had a PS2, so I never really played... Um, God of War on PS2. However, my best friend in elementary school did. Now, why he was allowed to buy and play God of War, I do not know. But either way, I watched him play through the first and the second games. And so I I, I do have a long-storied relationship with God of War, and I, I am also a buyer and a player of all the PSP ones and God of War 3. And um, part of what I loved about the the first God of War was, it really felt like a new journey for a character that really was complex in the, the worst way. Like God of War, the original series were fun games. I love Greek mythology. There was so much that was good about the original God of Wars. Um, but the story was never, in my opinion, that, deep nor was maybe the story was but the the character of kratos absolutely was not and what they did with him in the first god of war game was incredible in terms of shifting his perspective like really um bringing him into this new kind of story driven character study um and i really liked it however this game just takes that to like the absolute peak having finished the game and i won't speak too much about my feelings on the story right now just in case we do a god of war podcast later on but i will say this i think that after this game kratos as a character is the single most brilliant character study of any character in gaming period this story and what it has done to his arc and how it's recontextualized his narrative arc from all of those older games and where it ends up, I'm at the point where I, I actually want the series to be over. Like I, I don't want any more games because I actually think it would really ruin what is, I believe like the greatest character study ever done in all of gaming. Like it's, it's incredible what they do with this character, like the moments and the, like the feelings I had from little, the littlest things, the littlest things from like, kratos laughing at a joke like that was like heartwarming like like i can't even express it it's just like these little little things that just show you how much his character has gone through and how much he has grown is is insane and i've never felt that way about any character and let alone i never thought i'd feel that way about kratos because i up until god of war 2018 i really had nothing but a low opinion on kratos as a character Hi, well said, brother. Uh, <laughs> just the the journey from like angry, mad uh, Kratos to kind of sad Kratos, and now he's 
dad Kratos to steal that line from uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. It has been very warm, uh, heartwarming. But also, at Jules, I want to say, I want to say, basically, like echoing what you've said there, just with Kratos himself. But I want to say that this, this entire take on the series and like, like the God of Wars and like, okay, a hack and slash action adventure game. And turning it into like this super deep story, I want to say that like all the other characters were I felt were also very very strongly written and also had a lot of really yes. good moments as well. All of your character interactions with Odin, I feel like because in the first game he's just this looming, menacing, dark, evil force, and then you see him, he's this scrawny little dude that like bosses around all the Aesir, but he's not like rude and mean and stuff, right? He's just like, yeah, I know everything, whatever. And he's I very, him. yeah, I I felt <laughs> like Odin so far is my favorite character in this, and like all the interactions that that you you get to have with him in the game have been very fun and thought provoking for me because I'm just like, hmm. Well, we only ever saw and experienced the character of Odin back in the previous game through his uh, former associate and ex-wife, and they probably wouldn't have painted him in such a good light, right? So I really enjoyed that character and like a bunch of the other Aesir as well that were in this game that we were just kind of heard of and got to to meet and interact and see. Basically, like I'm comparing them to like how Marvel has compared uh, has portrayed these characters also. And I feel like it's just such a beautiful contrast. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Full disclosure, I think I like God of War Thor better than Marvel. Oh, Thor. no. God of War yeah. Thor is way better. The thing about this game is, like, the original series was very much about, like, the loss of humanity and, like, the absence of humanity, whereas this saga is very much about humanity itself and, like, like in every regard. And, like, that, you're right, like, the way that they portray Odin versus the way that they portray Zeus I was just thinking, is, like, yeah. vastly, vastly different in how they, like, approach them. Um, and And obviously you guys haven't finished the game um, so you don't know like where it heads, but like in general, like I just feel like the way that they approach all the characters is very much with a lens of like realism. There's no wacky. I am Zeus and I am God, and so I hate you because you are a threat to my godhood. Like there's there's nothing like of that. There's aspects to every character in all of these games that is it has depth. Um, and it's very, very well explored. And like the thing I that I really like about Ragnarok over 2018's God of War, because those are the only two God of War games I've played. And like I don't really have that motivation to play previous games in the series. Cause like a lot of people tell me just like you can you could have started with 2018 and don't look back. Three's like so good. Well, all of them are I good, hear, I've heard three's like good, but like these are the only two games I have any sort of connection with. And I was. This was actually a worry of mine going into Ragnarok. That like I heard Kratos and Atreus are not like the two only like big characters in that game. A lot of the supporting characters from 2018 have been fleshed out in ways that I never even thought they would be able to be fleshed out in this game. It's a real like ensemble now. Like yes. it's not Kratos being alone anymore, which is unlike anything. I think by far the majority of characters got a lot more fleshed out. I feel like. They didn't let Mimir do as much in this game, though. But he still has fantastic moments, though. Yeah, but I feel like he had less just by virtue of the fact that other people had more. Sure, but that doesn't mean he had less. I'm biased towards Mimir. I like Mimir. Yeah, he gets less pie because there's more people eating pie. Yeah, Kratos had less as a result of other people having more. Like that's... You know what? That's fair. I really enjoyed it. I will say, though, I, I do, on the whole, prefer the narrative of the first game over this one. Um, despite the fact that they did wonders for how they portrayed the characters in this game. So in literature, in writing and creative writing, one of the most important rules of all writing is show, don't tell. And I can firmly say that Odin is the victim of tell, not show. Like all of his treachery that we are assuming that he has done is all told to you throughout the first and second game by Mimir, by Freya, by other people. And we don't get to like physically see that a lot. And that made it tougher for me to like connect with the characters, like deep hatred for him because I wasn't seeing it. And I will say that that's one thing that as wacky and stupid as 
Zeus and Hera and Ares and all the gods in the Greek versions were. At least we saw them do stuff. Like, we saw Hera drunk off wine, being like, Hercules, kill this person just because I said so. Like, as much as it's stupid and doesn't have a lot of depth and not a lot of character exploration, it still made me hate her because I'm seeing her be this way, right? And, and like, they do a good job with Heimdall of... of doing that i don't know how much you guys have interacted with heimdall at this point but he's a dick he's a, yeah. like they they show you his treachery they don't tell you it's not like people are being like heimdall's such a dick and you never see it whereas with odin i feel like they're saying odin is such a monster but you you don't often see it you're just kind of told you see it at moments but it's not like but grand, i think that's the whole point opinion. of that is they tell you that he like he puts on the facade of this but he really deep down is fucked up Pardon my French. Yeah, no, no, I understand. Yeah. Either way, the game is really exceptional. Um, I can see yeah. why it's on the radar for all of the game, game of the year buzz. I think it has the most nominations in the game yeah. awards Truth this be year. Told, going into it, I was kind of hoping it wouldn't live up to expectations because I wanted Elden Ring to sweep. You're one of those people, huh? Hey, that's not true. <laughs> I can fully admit it did live up to expectations, and I was very happy with God of War. I still. As a matter of personal preference, I think Elden Ring was a better game, but there's no question that God of War is a lot more emotionally resonant, had a better narrative. Yeah, and like we didn't even talk about gameplay in the like in God of War, like what you think about it, but honestly, I don't think we really need to because it's it is very similar to the predecessor. I will say it plays better. I'm noticing that like you know how like when you use the axe and like the more times you connect with things without things hitting you, uh, I feel like that stuff, like a lot of the skill tree stuff, like feels a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, a lot of the skills and armors that you get in the game are very similar appearance-wise to the previous ones, but I did notice something, and I'm not sure if the first game had it, but, like, there's this one set of armor that, I ha- that I'm that i using right now, and after a certain point, after I've upgraded a certain point, it changed its appearance. Was that something that that happened in the first game? That happened in the first game. Okay, I didn't know that, because I never... <laughs> that's, a, that's another gripe, actually, I have with the game that I will say, kind of um, on this topic, is as much as I, I love the game, I do feel there was very few radically new aspects of the gameplay. Like, uh, there was. There was, like, one way in which the gameplay was radically different. But, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the moves and the armor and the runes and the summons and all the things you're getting, like, I would say 75 to 80% of it was just the ones from the first game. And that made me feel like they didn't, develop any new stuff for this game which made me feel like it was just kind of retreading gameplay wise so gameplay wise i didn't feel like the progression felt like a brand new game it felt less exciting to me till like when i was getting like i found a rune rather than it being something brand new that was unique it was like oh this one that you got late game in the first game as well like that yeah i, that I didn't like that actually it was today. The, the, that it was the majority of the new like the runes and the like um the summons and like all those things were actually just in the first game like they didn't it's not like it was 50 50 or like it really was like majority just the first game stuff and i know that's not everything about the game but that's just one criticism i have of it is like it wasn't too much new in terms of that in praise of ragnarok i think it had way more bosses which is a huge plus for me yes it did it yeah. definitely did have way more bosses is there anything else you guys want to talk about for God of War Ragnarok, or should we save some for our uh, God of War sort of dedicated episode that we'll do at some point, probably early next year? I'd say, yeah, let's save it once all of us have finished the game, because, like, yeah. I want to go and, like, I I feel like I know where the story is heading at this point here. Am I, like, I've put 30 hours into the game as of recording right now. A lot of that, though, as a caveat, a lot of that is just you pausing the game and then doing something else because the controller needs to charge or whatever. Like, yeah, you, you can <laughs> beat that game in under 30 dying, hours. And then, and then repeatedly <laughs> dying. But I'm also doing like as many of the side quests as I possibly can. I've started backtracking to a lot of the different zones. And I know, Mateo, like you're still going through it. And like you've almost caught up to where I am. But I think we, I think saving it for like like a proper like like deconstruction. Saving it like a fine steak. I, the thing is, though, I'm enjoying it like a fine steak, but I'm also like eating it. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not gonna like take a little piece and then just go have some mashed potatoes. No, I'm eating the steak. That is the intention. I'm eating the steak. I encourage you not to eat the steak. I encourage you to leave it. And just watch it and then forget about it. 
<laughs> Anyways, on to talking about a drastically different game than God of War Ragnarok. We're going to talk about the uh, latest outing for our favorite blue blur next, Sonic Frontiers. Yeah. Jules and I are the only ones that have had the great pleasure to play this game. We actually have to answer a, a pressing question, I think, later on in our Sonic discussion. Like, maybe at the end we'll talk about it. Like, I want to actually rank this on our Sonic tier list at the end. So I, I think that would be a little Fine. fun okay. thing. So, okay. but uh, where do we begin with Sonic Frontiers? Just as a starter, I loved Sonic Frontiers. I did as well. Sonic Frontiers is that prime example where I would like to say, know what you like and don't listen to reviews. Like, honestly, don't. I I get why people gave Sonic Frontiers low scores. Like, I and I, I'm not going to judge them for doing so. However, like, if you're a Sonic fan, this game's good. Like, this game is a good Sonic game, and it's not going to be for everybody. And yes, were there ways at which it could be approved? Absolutely. Like, there's always going to be. But this was something brand new, and they did a great job. I loved even just the mini bite-sized um cyberspace challenge levels like they were fun they were quick they were like they made me want to do everything because i knew i didn't have to like run through like a seven minute stage there was lots to do and it gave you a lot of agency in how you wanted to do it you didn't have to do everything the story while you know like had its ups and downs like ultimately like was good did try something bold something new while also familiar um lots of good character interactions and it just felt good. It was fun. That's At the end of the day, that's what I want out of game. If it, the gaming loop is fun, why do I care if there's crappy pop-in or there's some yeah. issues with the narrative? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not... I, I do play Sonic for the narrative because I'm a Sonic fan, but I'm not expecting God of War Ragnarok level of narrative where Sonic is going to go on this emotional journey that's going to change me profoundly as a person by the end of it. Like, <laughs> this isn't the... This isn't the game to expect nor want those things. Like, I mm. I don't know. I agree with most of what you said, but, like, I just would have loved one or two more cyberspace-level themes. Yeah, like, same. Those four got so repetitive, even though, like, all the levels played really differently from the, from each other, and, like, they all had the music. I think there was a very good amount of music for those, and all of the... Just across the board, the music in the, the entire game is amazing. Like, I think this is one of the best-sounding yeah. Sonic games in a very, very long time. But the one thing that Sega nailed, and I think anyone who would object to this, I think, is objectively wrong. Sonic feels fast in this game. I've never played a Sonic game where I actually felt insanely fast. And it's like, they didn't just put yeah. like insane amounts of motion blur on it to make you think Sonic's running fast. No, Sonic actually runs real fast in this game. Like, how fast you can go from one side of the map to the other is like, it's remarkable. And you can actually upgrade your speed a hundred times. And to see that, like, in the bottom right hand corner, you have a friggin' speedometer there that shows you how fast you're going. And then if you have your uh, rings maxed out you go even faster like they went all out and then like you can even customize your controls like how fast you want sonic to accelerate or like turning controls things like that like they gave you a great amount of agency to control sonic the way you want him to 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 feel like the, i thought that was a, a great thing that i kind of didn't really expect there to be in this game for its shortcomings in other regards like like i'm the type of guy that can forgive the technical shortcomings like the pop in or like uh things like that but you drop the game down to 60 frames mode it never dipped on a ps5 or a series x i have i can only imagine how that game ran on switch or on weaker pcs but the game ran really smooth yeah there's the visual hiccups here and there and sonic like goes flying sometimes like or he does something you don't want him to do but i had so much fun in the game and just feeling and playing as Sonic allowed me just to forget about all that. This game is a real step forward for the Sonic series. And yeah, like it's getting 7 out of 10s for the most part. Like that's the average review score. And like a lot of people are being negative about some aspects. But I really hope Sega kind of has that same sort of belief that I have about the game. Where like you can fix pop in like if they have more development time on the next game if they make it like this they can fix it just make another game like this 
make another open world or open zone Sonic game, whatever they want to call it. And if you're going to do Cyberverse stuff, make a few more themes. Like, I think if they diversified their challenges to expand the map, that would be nice as well. But, like, keep doing what you're doing. The stories, whatever. Like, for me, honestly, I don't care about Sonic's story. And I know a lot of people do. They can have that if they want. But, like, it's all about gameplay. And they nailed it. They haven't nailed gameplay like this. I think since they introduced the boost formula, I think Sonic Frontiers on my personal game of the year list, it's going to be at the back of my mind. Like currently it's at like number, it's like a top five right now. And I didn't think that would be that way going into, going into this year. Dang. Mateo, you did forget one thing though. When you were talking about upgrading your speed and everything. Oh yes. You you forgot to mention how one of the upgrade guys let you upgrade everything at once while the other one made you do it one at a time. Yep. And actually, there's another thing we didn't talk about. You can play this game and take your time exploring everything in the overworld if you want, leaving no stone unturned type of thing. Or you can just go fishing with Big. And Big the Cat's fishing minigame in this game is so easy. It's just the type of thing where you can just relax and just all you have to do is press A. And you spend your Big Coins to get the, the fishing tokens that can then be spent on literally every material in the game that you need and you can choose to explore none of the world you can choose to explore everything or like let big just take the wheel and and give you all the stuff you need big take the wheel actually the one thing about sonic frontiers that i will accept as valid criticism is that bloody song that sage sings if we're doing the sonic music tier list that's like rock bottom that is the worst song i'll be honest it is bad when she sings it but I gotta say, you told me the worst part about it was that it came back in the credits. The credits version of that song slaps. The reason why I said that is because even when I could hear the song in the credits, I could only think of the one that was in the game. And I was still sick. I was singing to the song in the credits as Sage from the game. And Gino and I were just dying. It was just, it was hysterical. Oh, it was funny. Now for the, uh, the thing I'm really looking forward to. Where do we rank Sonic Frontiers on our Sonic Games tier list? If you need a little refresher, I actually have it right here. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where everything was. So currently in the B tier, we had Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic Unleashed, Sonic Colors, and Sonic the Hedgehog 1. And in my opinion, this game is better than all of those. Yeah. A tier, Sonic Generations, Sonic 2, Sonic CD, Sonic Rush, or if we feel adventurous... We could put it in the S tier with Sonic Mania and Sonic 3 and Knuckles. I would put it um, probably at the bottom of A tier, to be honest. You like it more than uh, CD and Rush? Yeah, no, I think those games are better. I I would put it either at the top of B or the bottom of A. But honestly, I think I'm more inclined to say it's top of B. Really? Yeah. I don't think it has the polish that I would want to call it an A tier Sonic game. I think it has the heart the same way that I would consider Sonic Adventure and Adventure 2 part of B tier because of they have that heart, but they lack the polish. And I would consider Frontiers to be in that same ballpark of like, this game has the right heart, the right idea, the right execution, but it just has enough that needs to be improved on that I can't put it in A tier. Fair enough. Actually, that's a very good argument. I'd put it at top of top of B then, above... Uh... Sonic Adventure 1. But man, the the potential that a sequel has if Sega just sticks to their guns and works on it, like I think we could be talking about like an amazing game. Not just an amazing yeah. Sonic game, an amazing game period. I agree. But uh speaking of games that uh have a little bit of jank to them, but I can overlook it. <laughs> Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the final games that we will be talking about in this episode. I feel like it has the right amount of jank. There is no right amount. There should never be any. Bethesda has a good amount of jank. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like I, That's why like I see a lot of stuff online that's ragging on Scarlet and Violet. And like I agree that the frame rate definitely needs to be improved. But when it comes to things like, oh, a character like walks into the middle of your battle or like you kind of like fall under the water and like see a bit of like the map or like those little things. 
honestly, go play most open world games because you can get that stuff to happen in most. Like, I actually don't think that those things are a sign of it not being polished. I think those things are a sign of it just being a big game. And that's yeah. like natural. Like I like Skyrim, you can get those things to happen. Like I've done stupid crap like that in Skyrim, and nobody says Skyrim is a bad game because of that. So I, I, I just think people need to remember that these things happen. And especially when you're like a lot of the things that people are pointing to are when they're like online. Like, for example, I saw somebody who was, like, upset because, like, another player character was, like, while they were, like, battling another character, they're like, look how bad this game is. There was, like, a player character running in front of the battle, and they looked stupid. But I'm like, but that's, like, another character in your game world doing those things. Like, that's not the game being stupid. Yeah, I completely agree. And honestly, I kind of don't want to talk about the the technical misgivings of this game because i think they're just so insignificant in the grand scheme of things like forgetting about legends arceus i haven't had this much fun with a pokemon game in such a long time like literally going back to gen 6 like gen 6 was the previous peak and i think the amount of fun that we've had playing this game as a group has matched gen 6 yeah riley got back into pokemon right that never happens Well, that's not true. I come back every so often. It's just one. Usually, one gen ruins uh, ruins it for me for at least two gens. <laughs> yep, and that was Gen Seven. That was Gen Three and Gen Seven. Yeah, hot take. Uh, gen Seven's not a hot take. No, but but Gen that's Three. Me not is. liking Gen Three. Yeah, but Riley, you haven't been in the Pokemon scene in a long time. What did Gen Nine do to get you back? Like, what was the thing that hooked you? That, well, to that got me to play it in general was Jules threatening me, but. <laughs> Um, what hooked me was I, I thought the open world was really cool. The fact that I could get a bunch of the pseudos I liked fairly early in the game was also pretty helpful. And also Fue Coco is adorable. Yep. Fue Coco is the best. It was the funny dirt. how like I don't think anyone in our friend group, or at least in the first two days, the people that we played with, nobody picked Sprigatito. It was like eight people with Fue Coco and then the three Quaxleys. In my defense, I'm normally a fire starter pick kind of guy. Yeah. But... Generally, I go with the water one, but for whatever reason, I as even when we were talking about like our Pokemon starter showdown, Foy Coco's the derp, and I love him. He's the Bidoof of starters, as we yep. we coined. The one thing though that I really was a little underwhelmed by in, in terms of the the non technical things about the game is I really wish the the three sort of paths that you could go down the game didn't feel the same like especially the team star quest and then the, just the generic like going to do the gym leader thing like i wish there was a little bit more i wish they gave you anything for doing them like some meaningful rewards well that but like i kind of wish they did something more outside of battling and i know it's pokemon you can't really do that instead of kicking a olive into a net like i wish there was something that like oh go to this area find this like rare item and bring it back like like a like i just wish there was something that made you need to explore the world instead of just doing a battle but the one thing that really got me in this game was the soundtrack oh who was the one of the composers eh mateo he he's one of the composers okay <laughs> let me set this straight again toby fox is a fine composer i just think his games are overrated that's my hot take but the soundtrack, the way it weaves in and out of the battles, like how it's like you're listening to it in the world and then transitions into your battles. Like it gave me Banjo-Kazooie vibes when you go like underwater and it the, the, the song is still playing, but it changes in a way. Like I really like that. And the, the battle theme itself, like there's multiples, multiple versions of them and they're all fantastic. I actually really want to go do a deep dive with the Scarlet and Violet soundtrack. It's just that good. Yeah. The thing about Pokemon that's the most important is the Pokemon designs themselves. I think we can talk about all Pokemon designs here. Like I don't think we should hold anything back. Oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah, we should. Yeah, I I'm I'm down for that, but I also want to talk about one of the character designs afterwards also and just like the entire theming of it just as like a little aside for later. If that's right. okay. But in terms of Pokemon designs though, like my favorite Pokemon I think from this whole gen for a new design is Annihilate. Good answer. Good answer. The evolution for Primeape that I've been wanting for such a long time and how like it ties in with the character lore. And some of Primeape's old Pokedex entries, it would mention that sometimes it would just like, it would have either a heart attack or it would get so angry it would die. And Annihilate 
is a ghost type and you have to use the move called rage fist so basically the more the more you use the move is what triggers the evolution for it so primate gets angrier and angrier and angrier to that point where it actually dies and becomes a ghost type <laughs> he's too angry to die because he doesn't actually die he's probably my number one like if i were to say like my top 10 favorite pokemon like i don't know if i'd put him in there at this point but that's just such a strong design that it might eventually make it i was very happy to stumble onto him by accident yeah and i knew all the leaks going into the game like i planned out my team a week before i got the game i looked at everything i'm like okay i want to get this pokemon this pokemon this pokemon and i looked on and people said oh you can get this pokemon early game this pokemon late game and i was actually lucky because the pseudo pokemon i forgot its name already the one that evolves in back into backscalibur yeah i'm like okay you won't get it until you get to the mountain right so that's going to be like level 40 to 50 range you won't be seeing them in the wild but we were lucky we found a raid for him did the raid i was able to get him on my team relatively early ish like i think i was on like the fourth gym opposed to like you can do the gym in any order but i did the ice gym seventh so by the time of the fourth gym i had my complete party and that was such a great feeling because you wouldn't have had that unless you had an open world with raids. Whereas in other Pokemon games pre-Gen 8, if I wanted a Gibble or a Komoo on my team, I'd literally have to wait until you get to the Victory Road equivalent to get the pseudo on your team. Yeah, it was, a really, it was really nice being able to have Dragonite pretty early. But yeah, I really like the, the pseudo, Annihilate, and then the last one quickly is Low Kicks. He's cool. He gives me that like power ranger vibe and i love his sort of like grasshopper legs fold in and out honestly i think it's one of the better bug pokemon in a while it, i don't know like what its viability would be competitively definitely was the pokemon that fainted the most on my team but its design is really really good at the very least even just like some of the the love that older pokemon got with the different paradox forms i was through the moon that my favorite bug type volcarona got two and with the terror abilities and stuff as well like i really like the idea and the concept do i like the hats no not really but I can put those new uh, Volcarona forms and everything on my on my team and just find a version of them that makes them bug type. And then there you go. I can have my ancient one or I can have my super futuristic robot one. I feel like a lot of the Paradox forms in this game are, were also very strong. My current favorite one I do have to say is Iron Valiant, which is like the Gardevoir Gallade fusion. That was really cool. That, that one was really cool. I wasn't expecting that. And I went into this game basically the exact opposite of Mateo. I voided everything. Even when the topic of Pokemon was coming up within like our own like friend circles here at the Hub World and everything, I just started like, spo I yelled spoilers really loud. And I, I was really obnoxious about it. And I'm glad I was because I honestly thoroughly enjoyed this game. For me, it reminded me of going back to Pokemon in Gen 4 where I had skipped Gen 3, I knew absolutely nothing, and it was just good. Like, yes, I had, there was a lot of familiar faces, because, like, it's Pokemon, right? Like, you, there's a thousand of these things, and we know a lot of them already. But it was so pleasant to go in there not knowing anything, and just being surprised at where the game would throw you. And just the way that they subverted some of the long-established, like, traditions in this game and stuff also was was really really interesting it kind of took some of those like gen 7 trials and stuff and incorporated them into the traditional gym battle mechanic for fans of that style of doing things because like gen 7 now is like what almost how old is it seven or eight years uh, yeah i think it came on 2016 sun was yeah. sun and moon with 2016 yeah yeah so so there are people that prefer that method right and then we went back to the traditional gym model in gen 8 it was it was nice it was it was i feel like the game struck a really good balance and just the design of the pokemon the name it the names for them were really 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 good like for instance you have like annihilate you have low kicks is another one that you mentioned mateo you also have like the silly names for uh the paradox forms and oinkalone or oinkaloni however yeah. you want to call it <laughs> yeah oink yeah because it's oinkalone as in like, okay, because the, 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 if you read the Pokedex entry, the pig produces like smells and perfumes and stuff. But Jules thought it was oinkalone, like baloney. I will continue to call it oinkalone. Yeah, and exactly, because Lechonk's name is also a type of Spanish ham called Lechon. Yeah, it makes more so, sense. 
Exactly. Well, yes, it does make sense. <laughs> uh, going and going back to like some of the designs and everything. My favorite probably moment in in this game where like I actually sat there and I was just laughing out loud. Actually, like I was. I think we were over at your place, Jules. When I was, I challenged the the normal type gym. The guy's just like a regular businessman. His name is Norm. He's just like, look, this is just my job. He was just so boring and plain. And I'm like, you are a normal type. It was Larry. How dare you like him as a character and not even know his name? His name's Larry. (laughs) Exactly. He was that boring and uninteresting that I loved it and I forgot his name. How dare you? Norm is the normal type gym leader from Jed 3. That's your dad. Oh, well, whatever. I didn't care to learn. And that's one thing, actually, like even like at the beginning of the Pokemon League section and they ask you a quiz. Who was the hardest like gym leader that you fought? What was their name and what's the name of the town? I'm like, I don't know any of these places and I don't know any of these people. No, that was the worst. <laughs> y'all, wait, y'all had trouble with that? I had such a difficult time remembering their names and stuff. Yeah, I didn't know anything about them. Like in general, I think that there were a lot of highs in this game. I I did I do think there's places that they can go to improve on this formula, but in general, like really good game, and I, I love the Pokemon designs. Like I I don't think there were many bad Pokemon designs, and I really loved like Convergence Pokemon are such a smart idea, and I really wish we had more. Yeah. Of the, the I I don't know if that's what they're actually called. That's what they're called on leaks. But I'm talking about the Wiggler and the Toads the Toads Cool. I love that idea of it's like an old familiar Pokemon have been interpreted differently and they're so silly and I like actually laughed out loud when I saw Toad's Cool running. It was so funny and I was like I need this Pokemon on my team. It's hilarious. So I really, really did enjoy this game. I'm I was skeptical about the raids because I, I liked the raids from Sword and Shield quite a bit. So I was worried about this new, almost like Pokemon Go-esque style raid. I wasn't sure how I felt about it. But ultimately, I, I actually really did enjoy it. The thing we talk about a lot, the real Pokemon post game is finding shiny Pokemon. Yeah. They both made it easier and more difficult. Like making the sandwich that increases your shiny uh, your shiny encounter or, or like increases the spawns of a certain Pokemon. Make it easier to hunt shinies. But when you're in the the overworld, there's no gleam to to show that you have a shiny Pokemon. So if you don't know what a shiny version of a Pokemon is, you can just run right by them. Yeah, like and if you do the Pokemon Go battle or whatever the Let's Go battle, it won't kill them. But if you don't know what the shiny is, you're gonna not have a good time. Like I went through the entire game and I didn't get my first shiny until I got the shiny charm. And I just happened to run into a rookie, which by the way, I have already a shiny rookie. And once I got the shiny charm, things got way easier. I'm and I know for a fact, like I have bad luck when it comes to shiny hunting in Pokemon. Not as bad as me. Yeah, but this is the thing though, Riley. Like I think it's like mathematically impossible for both of us to not have a shiny spawn in our game we would have terrible luck if that was the case like there's no way and if the gleam or the sound effect was there it'd make everything fine but like this it's a small gripe i have but i really hope they remedy that in the next game or 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 even like if they do it in this game somehow like fix that or something i don't know what they would no, do oh no like, i really hope they don't patch I both love and hate it, and like I genuinely don't think it's statistically impossible that you guys hadn't run into a shiny. Like ultimately, like one in four thousand is still quite a high number, even for playing that whole game. You know, like yes, you have run into a lot of Pokemon, but still, that is a very high, high, high number. And it's possible that one loaded into your game. But that being said, like. One of the things I don't like about Legends Arceus is that I don't think a shiny loading into your game should be the reason why you get it. I didn't like the fact that it was like, okay, a shiny happened to spawn, and now it's going to tell me that the shiny has spawned, and therefore I'm going to get it. I like the fact that in, in Scarlet and Violet, there's the added challenge of you actually have to pay attention to what's around you. And I also do believe in, like, ignorance is bliss. Like, at the end of the day, like, if I didn't run by that shiny and I didn't realize, like, I'm that's not hurting me. Versus, like, there were times in Legends Arceus where I heard the gleam, I heard the sparkle, and then I couldn't find the Pokemon, or I found it and it ran away or despawned, and I felt like absolute crap. 
because I, I knew it was there and then I knew I missed out. I don't care about the like, oh, I could have seen one, you know, like I get it. But I'm also like, I, I like the challenge of like when I noticed my shiny Slowbro, for example, and I was like, hey, this thing looks a little bit off. And I just touched it and then it and then it gleamed. I was like, whoa, that's a shiny. And that made me feel way better than just hearing the sound in Legends Arceus and then being like, okay, let's look around till I find the, the off-color Pokemon. But the thing is, though, with Slowbro, Shiny Slowbro's purple, regular Slowbro's pink. You can tell purple and pink apart. It depends on the in-game time of day. Shadows, it, it did look off. But there's so many Pokemon in this game, like Charcadet and its evolutions, and Watchrel and Belly Bolt's pre-evolution were like that's either like the slightest shade of difference or like the smallest part of the pokemon is a different color like there's no way anyone can tell unless they're literally like up against their tv or like have their switch in handheld mode right against their face and they're looking for the thing that's different especially in nighttime in nighttime it's even worse to shiny hunt I caught my shiny Satoddle at night and I thought it was just because I was near the ice tower and it was casting a shadow. And I'm like, hmm, this this doesn't look right. It's not like pearly white. I threw the Pokemon out, it wouldn't attack it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is a shiny. I think the thing is, like, I get what you mean, Mateo. Yeah, I do too. Like, I, I totally get it. But I think that the whole intention behind it is about creating value. And historically, what were the most unvaluable shiny Pokemon? Historically. The ones from Pokemon Go? Not just the ones. Yes, the ones that they just gave to you, which this mitigates by saying, like, hey, we're not just going to hand it to you. You actually have to earn it. But historically, what was the most invaluable shiny to have? Red Gyarados or Ponyta from Legends Arceus? Again, aside from the ones that they just hand to you, what were the most invaluable shinies to have? The ones that looked very similar to their originals. The intentionality here is they've purposely given value to the pokemon that looks similar in shiny because now it's a challenge because now if you did happen to run into that charcadet that's eyes are the only thing that's different or if you sent out your let's go pokemon and it refused to attack and you noticed it that is no longer just hey i have this shitty shiny that barely is different this is like hey this is a trophy of the fact that i of all people, despite the fact that it is so difficult to notice that this Charcadet was a shiny, have this shiny. Like, that, they've created value out of Pokemon that historically had little value because they're like, oh, well, it's not a different enough color. But now the ones that aren't a different enough color are more valuable because they are more rare because they are harder to notice. I think it depends on what you value in a shiny Pokemon. If it's aesthetics, yes. then... It's not really a big deal. If it's the rarity of it, then sure. Yes, but that's what I mean. It's like, I think the whole idea behind it was to create a challenge. And the thing is, there are means to notice it because they created the Let's Go system and the Pokemon won't attack Shinies. So you can notice if it's a Shiny. It's just you have to be actively trying. I get the criticisms that Arceus had, but I feel like this is still a overcorrection. There is a common ground that they can find somewhere, even like if it's not like the obvious gleam, if it's like a, a more subtle one or something like that. I feel like they could find something that could appease everybody. But the last thing I wanted to talk about was they finally made a few new type combinations. Like some of the Pokemon in this game had type combinations that, that were never seen before. Like they finally made a grass and fire type Pokemon. They finally made a electric fighting type like there's i think to my count i thought of six new type combos like i know low kicks is bug dark there's never been a bug dark before like steel poison with the the no there's never been a bug dark um really yeah steel poison has never been done like there's so many types that have just never been done before like especially like i wanted the fire grass and electric fighting for such a long time and we finally got them. Yeah, I'm never going to use Skullvillain or Pomot, but the fact that they exist now is cool because maybe in the future, other cool Pokemon will have those types. Yeah, it like opens the door. Yeah, like how with Ghost Grass, like now there's a million Ghost Grass Pokemon after it was first debuted in, in Gen 6. Fire Ghost is yeah. like, like had one in Gen 5, and now suddenly there's like eight of them. 
<laughs> yep. Is there anything else for uh, Scarlet and Violet that you guys would want to talk about? I feel like, again, we could make this an entire episode. Yeah, I think we could do another episode about it, probably. But I think for now, like, ultimately, you know, again, as a Sonic, don't listen to the haters. Haters gonna hate. Polished games are overrated. I've played polished games that are boring as heck. If a game is fun, even if it runs at sub 30 frames per second, go for it. Okay? I can tell you firmly, Battle and Wonderworld didn't have frame rate issues. And I would rather, I would much rather on any day play Pokemon running at its worst possible frame rate than Battle and Wonderworld. So... Yeah, and Balan Wonderworld was so bad that Yuji Naka got arrested. Yeah, he got arrested. <laughs> he got arrested for insider trading, okay? But anyways, yeah, I think we should do a, a Pokemon discussion also at a later date. Maybe Joe can hop on and Giancarlo. This will be the first Pokemon thing I've been part of in a while. Hey, so we just... can we can do our Elite Four thing. Yeah, I wouldn't participate because yeah. I'm not a fan of competitive Pokemon. But if it is a Hub World main episode i will be there because i have to keep my iron man streak going riley and like still i am shocked about how much you've enjoyed this game and i think you enjoying it has made me enjoy it even more oh that's so sweet we gotta do some raids you gotta find a shiny yeah my first ever shiny in my life yeah that'd be nice it needs to happen with that being said you know would you mind uh, closing out the episode all right so that brings us to the end of today's quest if you liked what you heard today hit that like subscribe or follow button below if you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas you have for upcoming quests, ideas, or anything like that. Uh, share your thoughts and leave us a comment. We'll see you next time at the Hub World. Dale, Microsoft, make a new banjo game. See you, everybody. Bye. Yep. Yeah.